Every school seemed to have some form of anti-bullying campaign, be it posters or seminars, as part of the broader Stop Bullying movement. Despite these widespread efforts, it's worth questioning their actual effectiveness. Bullying, whether physical or mental, inflicts harm and deserves attention. In today's case from Indonesia, the brutality of the bullying was so severe that it left the victim in a coma, a fact that has profoundly shocked the Indonesian public. Let's delve into the case of David Ozora. Earlier this year, a shocking assault case in Indonesia went viral. The victim was 17-year-old Kristanilo David Ozora Latumahina, the son of a central administrator of the Ansar Youth Movement. The assault left David in a coma, suffering from diffuse axonal injury, a condition where nerve fibers in the brain are severely damaged. The assault was carried out by three individuals, two boys and a girl. While the boys actively participated in the assault, the girl passively watched, treating the scene as if it were a form of entertainment. The primary assailant was identified as Mario Dandi Satrio, the son of the head of the general section of the Directorate General of Taxes in the South Jakarta office, a position of considerable influence. Mario was a student at Presetia Mulia University at the time, but following the incident, the university expelled him. The university leadership strongly condemned Mario's actions as a breach of their ethical codes and expressed concern about the potential damage to the university's reputation. The repercussions of Mario's assault extended to his father, Rafael Alun Trisambono, who was subsequently removed from his position. This incident prompted an examination by the Ministry of Finance, which revealed discrepancies in Rafael's wealth, indicating tax evasion. The case even caught the attention of Indonesia's President Joko Widodo. He expressed disappointment regarding the involvement of a tax officer in tax evasion. President Widodo admonished all ministries to ensure order within their departments, highlighting the need to address issues of corruption and hedonism that undermine public trust. This whole mess of a crime started way back in January 2023. Mario was dating a girl named Agnes Gracia Harianto. Mario was 20 at this time, and Agnes was only 15. According to sources at that point, they had only been dating for a month. In the past month, Agnes has come to realize that Mario may not be the ideal partner, considering his personality. However, despite this realization, Agnes confided in Mario about one of her traumatic experiences. She shared that before she started dating Mario, she had been friends with David Azora, who had once touched her inappropriately without her consent. This revelation greatly angered Mario, leaving him furious. Subsequently, Mario's ex-girlfriend, Anastasia Pratia Amanda, provided additional information. While it wasn't extensive, it served as a confirmation that what Agnes has disclosed was indeed true. 
Agnes, his girlfriend, was a victim of molestation. This news enraged Mario, who decided to take matters into his own hands. He formulated a straightforward plan with the help of his friend, Shane, and Agnes. Their strategy involved using Agnes as bait to confront David. Once David was lured in, Mario and Shane intended to personally punish him for his alleged actions against Agnes. The plan was simple, direct, and admittedly severe. On February 20th, Agnes called David to say she'd return his student ID at his friend's house in the Grand Permata housing complex, Pesangran. That evening, Mario and his group, including Agnes, drove to the house in Mario's Rubicon Jeep. Agnes called David from outside, and he came out, thinking she was returning his ID. However, he realized the situation was more serious when he saw Mario's car and its occupants. David was reluctantly persuaded to get into the car. Inside, Mario confronted him, demanding an explanation for what he had done to Agnes. It is unknown how that talk actually went, but we all know it didn't end well at all. The group pushed David out of the car and took him to a quieter part of the complex. It was late, and the area was deserted, providing privacy for what they planned to do next. David was forced to do 50 push-ups as punishment. Surrounded and under pressure, he started the push-ups but collapsed after 20. Despite his exhaustion, Mario and the group weren't finished with him. Mario told David to do a pose that was meant to humiliate him as a form of punishment for his actions. Shane demonstrated the pose, which involved bowing down while standing until his head touched the ground. The pose seemed impossible to replicate. Maybe you can try and see if you can do it. I guess Shane was quite flexible himself, and it was easier for him to do than for most people. David, under pressure, attempted to mimic the bow. Agnes recorded the scene on her phone, laughing. However, David struggled to perform the pose to their satisfaction, but this was never good enough for Mario. Watching David trying to perform the bow pose, they found it hilarious and laughed. Then, a forceful kick struck David's head, causing him to collapse. Mario proceeded to step on David's head while he lay on the ground. Mario verbally expressed his anger, yet it appeared that he was still unsatisfied with the extent of his retaliation. One by one, Mario and Shane kicked and punched David. Agnes, still filming, just stood by. David tried to shield his face from the blows while enduring a relentless barrage of attacks on his body. The pain and the frequent strikes left him defenseless. He couldn't get up or escape. Mario landed the final blow a powerful kick to David's head that rendered him unconscious. Surprisingly, instead of stopping in panic upon seeing their victim motionless, Mario and the others became more emboldened. They continued to kick and stomp on David with full force. His face and head, now unprotected, became their primary targets. Mario and Shane treated his head like a soccer ball, kicking and laughing. Mario even remarked, look at this, free kick, before delivering a forceful kick. David's head and face were left bloodied and battered. They only stopped the attack when they heard a woman screaming at them. 
It was David's friend's mother who had come out to the balcony of the house upon hearing the commotion. What she initially thought was just a group of unruly, noisy kids turned out to be a horrifying scene of abuse. Had it not been for her intervention, David might have ended up dead on the street. She hurried down and confronted them for what they had done to her son's friend. She promptly called both an ambulance and the police, ensuring none of them could escape. She didn't care whose children the assailants were. They were held responsible for the terrible acts they had committed against David. All three individuals involved, Agnes, Shane, and Mario, were detained by the housing complex's security officers as they awaited the arrival of the police. The top priority at that moment was to ensure David's life, so the family and another security guard tended to his injuries before the ambulance arrived. David was then transported to Medica Permata Hijau Hospital for further treatment. So this is how the case gained widespread attention. An account initially posted the video recorded by Agnes, but it has since been deleted. Additionally, the influential position of Mario's father further fueled demands for justice. The perpetrators couldn't evade justice. Agnes's video footage became the primary evidence of the assault. The entire trial process remained confidential, leaving netizens uncertain about whether justice would be served. The motive behind the assault also divided public opinion, but the allegations against David for what he had done to Agnes lacked concrete proof. Several noteworthy points emerged during the course of this case. Firstly, despite being detained at the Pasangran police quarter, Mario was observed behaving casually, engrossed in his phone. What drew attention was that he wasn't initially handcuffed, only doing so when he realized he was being filmed, raising questions about special treatment. Jonathan, the father of David Azora, highlighted several irregularities in his son's case. During his testimony at the South Jakarta District Court, he mentioned that the license plate of Mario's Rubicon car used in the assault was changed after police intervention. Jonathan had received information that the Rubicon was initially at the Pisangran police station, but went missing. Furthermore, David received threatening messages believed to be from Mario. When dealing with David's insurance claim at Permata Hijau Medica Hospital, an issue arose because the hospital claimed that David had initiated the fight. The trial concluded on August 15th, with the jury delivering their verdict. Mario Dandy Satrio was found guilty of extreme physical abuse under Chapter 355, Verse 1 of the Criminal Code. Given the victim's coma, this weighed heavily in the sentencing. Consequently, Mario Dandy was sentenced to 12 years in prison. Agnes and Shane also faced consequences for their involvement. Both were charged with multiple violations, similar to Mario. Agnes received a sentence of three years and six months in prison, while Shane was sentenced to five years. They were held accountable for their roles in the assault. All three individuals subsequently appealed their verdicts. Agnes's appeal, decided on April 27th, upheld the initial verdict. She had also left school in February. 
Shane submitted his appeal on October 7th, and after some initial uncertainty, it was rejected by the High Court of Jakarta 12 days later. As he wasn't the primary perpetrator, he was not required to pay restitution. Mario's appeal met the same fate as Shane's. The court deemed the assault premeditated and severe, despite arguments from Mario's lawyer about his young age. Mario was sentenced to 12 years in prison and ordered to pay 25 billion rupiah in restitution. The question remains, has justice truly been served? For many Indonesians, the fact that Mario is the son of an influential figure has left them skeptical. The belief in special treatment for the well-connected persists, as evidenced by the signs we've discussed earlier. David's father recently shared a photo of his son when he was healthy on his Instagram account. He commented on the photo expressing admiration for his son's strength and determination to recover. Jonathan recalled David's struggle to recuperate after the severe abuse. He mentioned how he had witnessed David's recovery efforts and encouraged him to keep fighting, assuring him that they would overcome this challenge together. Still, reports indicate that David's current condition, especially mentally, is concerning. Although he has luckily emerged from the coma, he still has limited mobility and exhibits signs of slight amnesia and regression in mental age. His emotional stability is compromised, manifesting in childlike tantrums and behavior. As of the latest update, David is still receiving treatment in the hospital's ICU, and Jonathan has been sharing updates on his son's progress. Nonetheless, David is left physically and emotionally scarred, while the comfort of Mario's jail life is uncertain. No lives were lost, and no one disappeared, but the prevalence of bullying and the ease with which individuals can evade consequences continue to leave a bitter aftertaste. That's all for today. Thanks for watching.